So you have a wealth of resources out there. You can go to a Scott Foster, you can go to a Hunter Wyatt, you can go to all these different guys and they do things totally differently in their day-to-day operations. And you learn from all of them. And it may be, hey, we're going to take a little piece of what this guy does over here. And we take a little piece of what this guy does over here. And we start to build our own system, again, with our own personal aim and end purpose in mind to get us there. Because if you're trying to wholesale implement all of it, odds are that their end aim and purpose is not the same as yours. So you need to take the best practices from all of them to get to what your actual goal is. So the big question is this, how do small business owners like us grow our business, grow our leadership and develop our teams in a way that allows us to get our products and services out of the world, yet still remain profitable? That is the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Bradley Hamner, and this is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Hey, before we get into today's episode, did you know that Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agency owners in the country, providing monthly accounting, CFO services, and tax preparation? Check them out at club.capital. Welcome to another episode of the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. My name is Bradley Hamner, your host. On today's episode, we have Josh Fuller. Josh is the founder of Relevant Advantage. And for many of you, you also may recognize one of his other sites, which is SF Agent Promos. Look, marketing, we've talked about on the many different episodes with different guests. And so we come at it from a little bit different perspective today, talking a lot about promotional materials, but our conversation really becomes more entrepreneurial and he shares his journey. And I think it's just a masterclass in entrepreneurialism and small business. And so I think you're going to learn so much in my conversation with Josh. Obviously, we do get into talking about just different ways to be able to position your brand. You know, one of the things he'll say towards the very end is really their tagline, which is how do you actually become a brand champion? And everything that you do, no matter what you do, no matter what pen or other item that you give out, it speaks to your brand. And what do you want that brand to be saying. And so I'm really excited about this conversation. I know many of you have worked with him and his team. And so without further ado, here's my conversation with Mr. Josh Fuller. Wouldn't it be a great start to 2021 by having more leads in your book of business? Well, that's where our partners at Direct Clicks Inc. come in. Their team's dialed-in approach to running Google ads and online SEO campaigns maximize the quality and the volume of your leads whether that's for inbound phone calls or even exclusive leads through your website. DirectClicks Inc. works only with PNC insurance agency owners, so they have thousands of hours creating, A-B split testing, and improving online campaigns specifically for insurance. They also understand why each and every marketing dollar matters in providing true results, low paper clicks, transparency, and attention to detail all of which is discussed in depth during your monthly review calls. Reach out to the DirectClicks team at directclicksinc.com. That's directclicksinc.com and find out how they can make a difference in your approach to generating new business. Are you ready to get out of the daily rut and begin working at your highest level? Coach P Consulting will help you do just that using the same strategies he did to sell over 500 life insurance policies in 2020 and on track for over 600 life insurance policies in 2021. No, this is not your regular one and done type coaching. You'll get personalized coaching two days a week, every week of the month, and you'll get a live look at the behind the scenes team training in an office performing at the highest level. Coach P currently has 100% retention rate for everyone who joins. And hey, those numbers speak for themselves. Coach P will train your team alongside his own to show you the exact steps they are taking to achieve chairman circle in two agencies, exotic travel, and multi-line presence club. So whether your goal is to be the top of your local market or amongst the best in the country, this training will give you the strategies and tactics to get you there. For just $250 a month, you'll get high-level coaching each week from someone who is already getting it done at that level. His strategies work, and it's time to put them to work for you. Sign up at coachpconsulting.com and get 50% off your first month of coaching when you mention the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Again, that's coachpconsulting.com. Josh Fuller, welcome to the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Appreciate it. Honored to be here. 
we're excited to have you. So we start with background and origin story, as you well know. And when we were talking just a couple of weeks ago, kind of about your background and how you got started, I think it's also just a fascinating discussion and a journey about entrepreneurship. And so for listening audience, why don't you share a little bit about your story? Yeah, absolutely. It's been an interesting journey for sure. So if we go back to 2009, I was actually working for, I don't even know if we covered this when we talked a couple of weeks ago, I was actually working for a pretty good sized home builder in the Atlanta market. As we all know, the housing market really quickly took a turn for the worse and experienced the crash and the ensuing recession that followed. My interest in business had always been entrepreneurial, though, and always looking at business ideas, uh, considering business ideas. And so when that happened, I could kind of see the writing on the wall of what was coming. I decided, you know what, this may be the time to make that leap and start my own business. had a good friend of mine at the time who we had been kicking around business ideas for a number of years. And so we partnered together and stepped out and started our own company. You know, I think looking back, if I had known that what would follow is the great recession that we had. And if I'd have known that I was going to have my first child in the first year, I may not have had the nerve to do it. But nevertheless, we did. We stepped out and pursued that. And when we started, what we were doing was really a very kind of niche specialty print design and print services in the sports arena. So we were working with local high schools, colleges, universities, doing designs and printing schedule posters, schedule cards, things of that nature. And really early on, right after we started, I think it was within the first three months maybe of starting that, I was meeting with my insurance agent, who is actually a former guest of yours, Scott Foster. And he knew that we had started this adventure. He was asking me about it. And I happened to have a sample of one of those schedule cards in my wallet. So I showed it to him and he said, man, this would be a great local advertising tool for me as an agent. I'd love to sponsor the local high schools in the community donate these to them, add my, basically my business card on the back of this as an advertising tool. And so we said, yeah, we can absolutely do that. So he did that and gave them out. They were a huge hit with the schools. And so Scott calls me after the season is over and says, Hey, Josh, just a heads up. I've sent a sample of these cards that you did for me up to, to our corporate office, which I think would be a great tool for agents all across the country to utilize. And and he said, you know, don't get your hopes up. I've probably done this 10 or 15 times over the years. No one's ever gotten a call back. But if by some chance you happen to get a call from State Farm Corporate, that's what it's about. For whatever reason, we get a call from corporate. And after two or three uh, phone conversations, email conversations back and forth, they decide, hey, we want to fly three people from corporate down to meet with you guys. Now, kind of set this up and put it in perspective, we had, you could probably count on two hands, the number of sales we'd officially made or contracts we had at this point. And here we have a Fortune 100 company flying three people down to spend time with us. We didn't have an office space at this time. And so I I literally called my previous employer who owned the home builder uh, company and and knew that he had a bunch of office space sitting there empty now, not being used. And called him up and, and said, hey, any chance I can just borrow some office space for like a week and uh, kind of explain the situation. And so he agreed to it. So we go in, we set up a dummy office space to make it look legit. You know, we have <laughs> these big wigs coming down to visit us and spend some time with us and interview us. And so we set up this dummy office space. We go to pick them up at the airport. We don't even have a car to pick them up in. We're both young guys, no kids. We're driving around in pickup trucks. And so we borrow like a Suburban from a friend of ours to go pick them up. And we slap like some branded company branded magnets on it and stuff to make it look like it's some official company vehicle. And I remember we pick them up and we're driving back from the Atlanta airport to Conyers. And one of the corporate employees asked, said, you know, is this a company vehicle? And we were just completely honest. And we told him, no, it's totally a friend of ours, their car. We borrowed it because we drive pickup trucks which they thought was hysterical. So we get back, we spend the day with them. They kind of vet us. And for whatever reason, at the end of the day, they decide, hey, we're going to we're gonna give you guys a shot. And we're going to put these products on our corporate site, internal marketing site. And so we kind of did a soft launch of that. I remember when we dropped them off at the airport, I look at my business partner at the time. And 
first words out of my mouth was they should not be doing business with us, but we're going to absolutely figure out how to make this work. It was definitely a fake it till you make it kind of story. So we start working with these agents, kind of a soft launch of the product. And then they come back after kind of the first sports season had passed and said, hey, we'd really like to feature your products and really promote them to all of our agents. So they did that and it really started to grow. We were working with more and more agents. And as a result of that, these agents started coming back to us that we had worked with that said, hey, we love the quality of your product. We love the service that you guys are providing. What else can you do for us? And Mm -hmm. so we started working with individual agencies on developing some print collateral for them, for their individual agencies. And then they started coming back over and over again and asking for all of these promotional products. Can you do branded pens and cups and things of that nature? And we kept saying no uh, to that. And so there was kind of this light bulb moment of maybe there's some money to be made in this industry. And so we started exploring, you know, how can we maybe say yes to this? What is this industry about? And we knew of a, another company, kind of a husband and wife team that had been really successful in that industry and reached out to them. And they kind of took us under their wing with the intent of just kind of showing us the ropes and us going and doing our own thing. And within about three months of that relationship, they said, you know, we've been considering retiring for a few years, Mm -hmm. haven't been able to find anyone we would trust our clients to. And we think you guys are the right fit. And so they kind of made us an offer we couldn't refuse to acquire their company. And so we took that leap, did that. And within about a year time period, we saw a massive change in our company. We saw wild success in that industry and really grew quickly within that space. And so within about a year's time, we completely pivoted our business to where we were 85% of what we did was promotional products, branded apparel, corporate programs along those lines, and completely abandoned the original business model other than that relationship we had with State Farm. And we continued to do the schedule cards for them. But outside of that, we really stopped marketing those altogether and pursued this new avenue that we were seeing such great success in. Fast forward several years, we had grown, seen a lot of success in the industry. We had grown to where we were in like the top 5% of distributors in the promotional products industry. And we got to a point where we had options of what we wanted to do with that company at that point. And we realized at that point when we were starting to have some different visions as partners of what we wanted to do with it and where we wanted to go. Really easy to be on the same page. In the early days, you're excited. You're trying to grow it. You're trying to make money. You're trying to pay your bills. But we were at a point where we had options and we were at different stages in life. One business partner, he and his wife had no children yet. My wife and I had four kids now, including two-year-old twins. So the time pull was very different. And so after some long, hard discussions, we realized the best thing to do would actually be to split the company up and hopefully have two wildly successful companies out there. And we get together and go play golf on the weekend rather than running the risk of ruining friendships over business, which we had seen happen numerous times. And so about five years ago, we split the company up. I kind of branched off because I had the differing vision of where we wanted to go and uh, kind of took a portion of that book of business with me. And kind of other than that, started from scratch, a new brand, having to go back to hiring people and recruiting and hiring a team to support that. And since then have been growing relevant marketing solutions from that point forward. And again, seeing, thankfully, seeing some good success. Yeah, just a master class in entrepreneurship <laughs> and small business. I mean, that's why I loved, I knew from whenever we talked a few weeks ago, how much people were going to be able to relate to your story, certain aspects of it, little doors that opened, a connection, having a network, and then being willing to pursue it and dig it out of the dirt. I mean, whenever you were telling me about, you know, telling the story about getting that office space together in the car and doing all those things, like you said, fake it till you make it, but it's like fake it till you become it, right? You were like, well, we don't really know. We just got to dig it out of the dirt and try to make this happen. And John Lee Dumas, who came on, he has a quote that's really, I think, represents this, you know, be a person of value and then you be a person of success. And that's what you did. You said, hey, you didn't go in there and say, hey, Stephen, we can do everything. You said, no, no, we can do this one thing. You provided a great value. You did a good job. And then that's opened the door for so many other things. And I just think that's just a masterclass of entrepreneurship because there's aspects of that, even the part with your business partner. 
Mm. I mean, people listening to this have had friends, family members that have worked for them. Some of them have worked out really well. In other cases, they haven't worked out so well. And so I just even think that people can really relate to your story and how they were able to get into business, et cetera. So I think that's awesome that you shared that. It's been a fun ride. It really has. I love the startup phase. So some people, they love it when it's a well-oiled machine and humming along and kind of on autopilot. I actually love the creative side of the startup side of things. So that journey was always exciting. It was fun. Obviously, challenges there. There are definitely stretches along the early years of business, like so many that you second guess yourself and you question yourself. And again, in the midst of, in our case, a a recession and your first child and you're wondering, oh, goodness, am am I going to bankrupt my family at at certain points? You wonder, what what, what are you doing? But yeah, I think if you have a good plan and you just stick to it and you grind and you work hard and you hustle, it will pay off. And I think a lot of it is just being able to kind of read the signs around you as opportunities present themselves to being able to mm-hmm. recognize and being willing to walk through those doors when they open, being nimble enough to pivot when you need to. I know that's become kind of this catchphrase almost in the business world, the idea of pivoting, but but there is something real to it, especially in the mm-hmm. early days of business. I think you need mm-hmm. to be able to do that and recognize opportunity as it presents itself. Yeah, I think that's so true. And actually, probably when I asked you about that, because I wrote that down whenever you said, hey, I kind of saw a different vision for the company and as different things opened up. But don't you believe that there's a place that you were exposed to different aspects of the business? And then because of that exposure, you were able to kind of begin to pick and say, this is really the path that I think that I really want to go and how I can best serve. Maybe what's the best interest to me and what's the best opportunity in the marketplace? Because there is some famous, I can't recall off the top of my head, but like YouTube, I think started as a dating site Mm -hmm. initially. And then obviously it's changed completely. I mean, there's so many examples of famous pivots out there in the world. And so just speak to that for a second. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think one, it is just observing where is the opportunity. Markets are always shifting. They're always changing. And I think a big part of that is, as you say, kind of refining that understanding of what you want to do and where you see the best opportunity. I think a big part of that is is constantly learning. I think of some of the previous guests that you've had on here and, and having been able to work with within even the insurance industry so heavily and work with a lot of top agents. One thing I have I've kind of observed over the years, and I've even equated the insurance industry very much to the industry we're in, at least in some kind of the mm-hmm. promotional product space, which maybe seem really odd at first in that we sell very different products. But from the standpoint of in the insurance realm, you don't sell anything unique, right? Mm-hmm. One company mm-hmm. sells life insurance and auto insurance, and so does everybody else. They all sell the same things. We're kind of in the same boat in our industry, at least on the promotional product side of things that we do, in that the vendors and suppliers that manufacture all of this stuff, all of our competitors have access to the exact same things, right? So we don't have a competitive advantage in the products we sell or anything like that. We're kind of a part of a bigger, almost like franchise type organization. So we have similar dynamics to those who may be with State Farm or Farmers or Allstate. And so I've kind of observed some of the top agents in the insurance world to look at what makes them successful. What are some common threats? Because they may not get there in the same way. You may have five different guys on a stage, all wildly successful from a sales standpoint, but their methodology may be very different in how they got there. But they all have some very core similar principles if you start to really listen to them and dig in. And I think one of those common principles that all of those guys have is they are constantly learning. No matter how successful they are, they're constantly learning and looking to other agents, looking outside of their industry and trying to find principles that they can apply. I mean, I know I mentioned Scott earlier. He was my agent for years until he retired. And that was one of the things I always really respected and took away from times with Scott was he was continually learning from other agents, not even agents that in most of the cases, it was agents that weren't, had not reached the levels of success that maybe he had, but he's looking for new creative things that he could implement all the time in his agency. And I think that's a big part of figuring out all of that is you have to constantly be learning in order to really refine that and understand what it is that you want to pursue to understand what's the best or most profitable avenue to take as far as the market is concerned. 
But I think that's a, probably one of the biggest keys is I'm constantly reading inside the industry, outside the industry, trying to learn and apply principles that are going to get me to whatever my end goal or purpose is. Okay, so two-part question around that. One, what are the things that you do as a small business owner to continuously be learning yourself? I know you and I have a conversation around just listening to other podcasts. And so how do you do it? Who are some of the people that you love to learn from? That's question one. And then part two of that, I think it'd be really fascinating. You have worked with, I can't remember how many, but thousands of insurance agents at this point, Mm -hmm. State Farm and other companies, and can compare and contrast what are the things that you see from some of the big brands that you've worked with? I mean, you've worked with Chick-fil-A, the Atlanta Hawks, I mean, huge brands. So help us learn from a marketing and branding perspective, what are the things you've picked up on that can actually help us? Because I mean, these are people that are at the top of their game in marketing. And so what are the things we can apply from what they're doing to our own businesses? Yeah, that's a great question. From the learning perspective, it's a mix and it varies. I kind of go through seasons. I think probably all business leaders do that in some form or fashion that depending on what cycle in your business you're going through, I may be drawn to to different people or different things from a learning perspective. So I do have the benefit of working with some great brands. You mentioned Chick-fil-A and their team. They do so many things so well, from culture to just business and profitability, you name it. They pretty much knock it out of the park in just about every category, it seems like. So so I'm constantly learning, actually from my clients a lot of times, and they're also gearing me and directing me toward different things. I listen to a lot of podcasts, like you mentioned already, I read constantly. And for me, a lot of it, especially at this stage, a lot of it at this stage in business is learning not only how to be better in business, but refining that in such a way that it's moving me toward really clearly defined end goal, not just in business, but life. One of the differences with kind of the business partner in the past and the split was, I think, kind of around the idea of of what does success look like? And he had a father-in-law who was a local small business owner. He had worked with him for a number of years. And it was funny over the years, you kind of heard him not to other people, just to me, kind of voicing some frustration with his father-in-law of, hey, his business could be way bigger than what it is and was a little bit frustrated and working with him that why is he not growing this thing bigger i think he kind of viewed it almost as hey he's a business and as we kind of talked about that over the years you know i I finally asked him i said what is success you've got to define that Mm -hmm. in the world of business i think it's just this almost mythical thing that we're trying to aspire to but we don't actually know what it is right so this person over here tells you success is one thing. And so you start chasing that. And then this person over here tells you success looks like something else and you start chasing that. But I think it's actually really, really straightforward and really simple. I mean, the dictionary definition of success is the accomplishment of an aim or purpose. Mm. Pretty simple, the accomplishment of an aim or purpose. And so as we started talking about that, the idea of business success, really business success is, did you accomplish what you set out to do? And so in his father-in-law's case, his aim or purpose was really quite simple and very clear. He wanted to provide a good living for his family, and he wanted to be at home by 5.30 every single day, having dinner with his family. He wanted to go to every play, high school play that his daughters were a part of, or choral concerts that they were a part of. And after 35 years or whatever of business, he accomplished that. He did that. And so if that was his aim or purpose, though someone from the outside looking may say, hey, he wasn't a very successful businessman, he was actually wildly successful because he did exactly what he set out to do. And so for me, a lot of my learning is geared around keeping a focus on what is my ultimate aim or purpose in business. And really, I want my business to fuel or be a catalyst to accelerate other aspects of my life that I want to invest in whether it be involvement in my church or investing in my family and spending lots of time with my kids and wife, things of that nature. I want my business to fuel those things. And so a lot of my learning is not only learning how to get my business better. A lot of my learning is oftentimes reining myself back in, helping me refocus and making sure I'm staying on track for that. And I'm not pursuing all of these either vanity metrics 
or pursuing what someone else's definition of success is in my business, but I am staying on track to pursue what my actual end aim or purpose is. Because if I don't hit that at the end of the day, then I will not be successful in business according to the dictionary definition, which I think is exactly right. So that's kind of answer one. I don't know if you have follow up to that or if you want me to go ahead and leave. I do. And I just want to like clap. I'm going to give you like a <laughs> round of applause because I completely agree with this. I mean, folks, this is so important what he's saying. There's one word he mentioned in the definition of success when you said aim, right? I mean, when you're aiming, if you're, you know, I love to hunt, I love to duck hunt. I mean, yep. there's a specific aim that I'm having whenever I go hunting, but oftentimes we're using other people's ideas of their success and trying to apply that to ourselves, our life, our business. And Craig Rochelle, who many of you I know, know Craig and just love his work, his newest book called Winning the War in Your Mind. One of the things I really took away for that is he said, stop trying to do what other people do. Now you can learn how they think. Okay. And so from this, take away what Josh is saying about how he is thinking about success and thinking about his business, because if I asked you specifically and I said, OK, tell me the three year vivid vision to use Cameron Harold's word for it. <laughs> great book, by the way. And tell me the vivid vision for your business. And you articulated this revenue target, profitability target, your income, yada, 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 all these things. Well, people could jump on that and start trying to do it. Well, I think it's almost a strength and a weakness, right, that a lot of agents will look at someone else and try to emulate everything that they do. Just stop being them. You cannot be them. Even if you're in the same town, you're not that person. You can't be that person. You know, run your own race at the end of the day. But you're saying clearly define what that end goal is. What is it that you want to accomplish out of your business? Now, go learn from some of those other people you talk about. So I don't think it's like polar opposites. I think it's the exact same thing of constantly learning, but at the same time saying, this is the end game I want. Now, who's the people I can learn from? How do they think that can help me to achieve the goal that I'm trying to achieve? Not what someone else's goals are. Yeah, absolutely. And there's such a wealth of resource. And I think within your industry, similar in ours to a large extent, that many of those who are kind of at what you consider the top of their game, they're very willing and eager to share what they know, which is great, right? So you have a wealth of resources out there. You can go to a Scott Foster, you can go to a Hunter Wyatt, you can go to all these different guys and they do things totally differently in their day-to-day operations. And you learn from all of them. And it may be, hey, we're going to take a little piece of what this guy does over here. And we take a little piece of what this guy does over here. And we start to build our own system, again, with our own personal aim and end purpose in mind to get us there. Because if you're trying to wholesale implement all of it, odds are that their end aim and purpose is not the same as yours. So you need to take the best practices from all of them to get to what your actual end goal is. A hundred percent. So that is very important, the way that you articulated that. I mean, you can tell, Josh, you really have an understanding of this industry, I have to tell you, is because you're right. Because if you try to wholesale and go, go and learn, go to these classes, attend the webinars, learn from these people. But if you just try to, man, I could look back six, seven years ago, this was me. I'd go to a conference, learn from someone and come back the very next day and completely change the direction of the business. Right. And then Two months later, I go somewhere else and say, oh, never mind. We're not going to do that. We're actually going to go this way. And it was this constant switching. And tell me if somebody's listened to this, right, has been this way. You go to a conference, you learn from someone, and then the team dreads you coming back the next day, right? They're like, oh, man, Josh is going to a conference. We thought the comp plans were this. Now that's going to be this. And our vision was this. Now it's this, right? It just changes all the time. So I think that's great. And I think if someone, you know, people are looking for kind of a, a help, a guide to help frame that, to help maybe get them thinking along those lines. I would highly recommend Michael Hyatt's book, Living Forward. I don't know if you've read it. It was actually recommended to me by someone from Chick-fil-A. And it's something that I know I have implemented. And it gives you a really good framework to start that journey, to start really digging in, doing the hard work of figuring out what is my life's purpose instead of just kind of drifting through all of these other quote unquote success avenues that other people are throwing at you. It helps put you on a very clear focused path to what you want to pursue. That's a great point. Love that book. I actually read that book when I had COVID back in December. And so I was in uh, 
my wife put me in isolation. So I had a lot of time to read books. That's one of the books I read. One of the things about that book, you're so right. I love the work that Michael and his team, Michael Hyde do. We had Chad Cannon, chief sales officer over at Michael Hyde and company come on the podcast. And one of the things I picked up from that book was I had done, and I actually enjoyed doing business planning and strategic planning, but I had not really sat down and articulated my life plan and some of the domains. And so it really got me thinking there. It expanded on quite a few domains, but I mean, I really did like the fact that, you know what, I need to actually touch on all of these things. And so that book really inspired me to do that. So it's a great recommendation. All right. So what are some of the things that you've learned from the big boys that we can apply to our business? Yeah. Yeah. Again, having worked with so many agents over the years, when it comes to marketing and now our business, since the move from our partners, our business has really evolved and grown and expanded. So we don't just do promotional products. We do anything in the world of print services and we even have a video production team and we, we kind of do a little bit of everything for our clients. And so one of the things I've really observed in watching agents in the world of marketing is they just throw money at things. They don't know if it works or not. They may see results. Things are starting to maybe sign some additional policies, but at the end of the day, they really don't know where it's coming from, right? So they just kind of start throwing stuff at the wall and hoping something sticks. So the one thing they don't do is they're not really able to track their results. They do things just because they know they're supposed to do them without Mm -hmm. giving much thought to why they're doing it. Right. So promotional products is probably the most obvious area where I see this. All agents give stuff away. They give stuff away all the time, but they really have no idea why they're giving it away. And they certainly don't have a clear goal in mind for giving it away. So what that results in oftentimes is they give away cheap junk because they can give away a lot of it. And the problem with that is those promotional products are actually advertising medium. It's the same as a billboard, running a newspaper ad, radio spot, whatever. It's the same thing. And so you measure your ROI in the exact same way that you would for any of those other advertising mediums. You measure it on the number of impressions you get compared to the cost, right? So if you give away a piece of junk, probably the most basic example of that is a pen, right? Every agent gives away pens. If I were to ask you, though, you know, Bradley, hey, in your desk, how many pins do you have? You probably have 20, either in a cup on your desk or inside of your desk. But then if I were to ask you, do you have a go-to? Good chance you've got one or two pins that you go to every single time, right? Why? Because it writes well, feels good in the hand. But the default, I think, for most agents is give away as much as you can possibly give away. All right. So if you give away a thousand really cheap, lousy pens that somebody gets, they try to write with it and it doesn't write good at all. They throw it in the drawer. They throw it in the trash. They never look at it again. You got one ad impression for that. Right. So what if you spend a little bit more and you give away a nicer pen that people are going to actually use? And instead of giving away a thousand pens, you give away 500 pens or 250 pens, but they're used 100 times each. Well, now you got a hundred ad impressions and instead of it being a lousy ad impression, it's actually a good ad impression that's representative of your brand and your return on investment is infinitely higher than what it was when you gave away way more product. So all that to tie it back into the bigger brands, those bigger brands, everything they do and everything they give away, again, Chick-fil-A is a great example of it. Whatever they do, they want it to be a great representation of who they are as a company. I think agents really miss that mark, that everything you give out and everything you disseminate from a marketing perspective says something about your agency. And so that would be point number one, is make sure that what you're doing, that you're proud of it. Even the most basic giveaways that you're doing, make sure that you're considering who's receiving it. Are they gonna use it? If not, ultimately, I would tell you, don't spend the money. You're you're wasting money. If you're giving away a product that people look at one time and then throw away and never use again, it's really a waste of money because you're not getting a good ROI on that. All right. So specifics around that. I think the example around the pen is so good. If you were going to spend a thousand dollars and agents listening to this and they contact you guys and they're like, I got a thousand dollars to spend. 
And in their head, they were like, okay, I'm going to spend $300 on pins. I'm going to spend $300 here, $300 on that, whatever it may be. Okay. And all three of them are going to be some of the cheapest things you got because they think, okay, well, I guess I get three different items, maybe koozies, maybe a pin and something else, right? Kind of traditional. You're saying, you know what? It's better for you to get one item, get it high quality. Mm-hmm. That is actually a great representative of your brand because those people are going to be able to use it, whether that's a high yeah. quality pen or something else. Yeah, absolutely. And the reality is our industry trade associates have done tons of research on this. And what people don't understand, you think of promotional products, you think of tchotchkes, right? Like just yeah. junk that people give away. But the reality is all of the research has shown that the ROI on promotional products when they are used effectively. Now that's the key phrase when they're used effectively is higher than every other form of advertising out there, higher than television ads, billboards, print, all of them. Because when you consider how long those items circulate through, not only the person that you gave it to, well, they may have left it somewhere else and guess what somebody else is going to be picking up and it's circulating around. As long as it's something people want to use, it's going to be seen over and over and over again. So when you consider the cost of that product compared to the number of ad impressions you get, when they're used effectively, they actually have the highest ROI of any ad media out there. So that really is important. I think the other thing is giving consideration to why are you giving it away, right? So different products for different purposes. It may be that you're giving something away at a community event. So it's kind of more brand recognition, right? It's kind of a billboard type approach for giving it away. It may be that you're utilizing a product specifically for lead generation. It may be one of the things we really started working with agents years ago and encouraging them to do is we knew that agents gave oftentimes gift cards or something to clients for referrals. And we said, you know, stop, stop doing that. They're going to spend it. They're going to forget about you. Give them a really good gift that's branded that they're going to still want high perceived value. But now they're getting something for that referral that they've given you. And you have the added benefit of ongoing advertising off of that product. Now, I mentioned Hunter. I don't know if you've had Hunter on the show before. Hunter Wyatt is an agent who's done this and kind of taken it to another level where he said, you know what? I want to have a referral wall. So he has like five or six different really nice gifts that when somebody comes in and they give a referral, they take them over to kind of the referral wall and they can pick whichever item they want. And then, hey, we cycle through every quarter, every half a year or something and maybe refresh those items. So you got to think about what's the end goal? Why are you giving this stuff away? And cater that product selection to that. And then I think another one is, again, I think they miss the opportunity to oftentimes use these things as a true sales tool. So they're, again, I think most of the time they're giving things away just as a billboard brand recognition type product instead of digging a little bit deeper and thinking, okay, how can we use these to actually generate leads? So I'll give you an example of one way you can do this. Take a golf tournament. For instance, a lot of agents will go out, they'll sponsor a golf tournament, be a whole sponsor or something like that. And they just show up just like everybody else. They have their tent and they start giving stuff away. Well, instead of doing that, why don't you create an experience for, mm. for these golfers? And this is the other thing that big brands really do well in their marketing. They realize that to really get noticed, you create an experience. And this is really important to be remembered. So. Really simple way to do this. Your next golf tournament you sponsor, sponsor a hole, specifically request to be on a par three, and then do what we call the solo cup challenge. So you have your giveaway. It can be really kind of whatever you want it to be, tied in an expensive giveaway. We recommend having one really nice gift. Maybe it's a driver, right? That you're going to say, hey, we're going to throw everybody's name in a hat and draw for a brand new tailor-made driver at the end of the tournament. So you let everybody hit their ball. And then you give them the solo cup challenge. Go in with a bunch of solo cups. You have them tee up a golf ball, put the solo cup over the top of the ball so that they can't see the ball and tell them, all right, hit another one. And if you hit it on the green, you get to throw your name in the hat for a second time. So now what you've done with this really simple, really inexpensive move is you've created an experience that's going to separate you from every other company that's out there sponsoring who's just there giving stuff away. You've caused them to slow down and actually engage in conversation with you as they go through this, there is this emotional draw to your company because you've just given them this experience. It's really fun. They're laughing at their buddies, right? As they hit this ball, 
solar cups are flying everywhere. What they don't know is the golf ball actually still flies pretty true. It doesn't alter the shot much, but you don't know that when you're hitting the ball. And if they hit it on the green, they get to throw their name in the hat for this drawing at the end of the day. So what you've done now, you have utilized this as a lead generation tool. You now have all of their contact information and they've given you by virtue permission to go back and follow up with them. The other component of that is you will absolutely be remembered. Every other company that's at that event is likely going to be forgotten. But all you have to do is, hey, we're the solo cup guys. And they automatically know who you are. And so just giving a little extra thought to, again, what is our goal? When you show up to an event, you should have a clearly defined goal. It should not be just to show up. It should be to capture leads, capture referrals, whatever it is that you can then take that and transfer that into actual sales goals. And then you have something that you can measure. You can go back off of that event and say, hey, we captured these many people, contact information. We followed up with them. We got this many leads out of it. We closed this many apps off of this. Here's what we made lifetime value off of this event. And you compared to what we it cost us, was it a value? So I think just digging deeper and not just showing up, but giving real intentional thought to your marketing efforts and why you're doing, whether it be digital marketing, promotional products, print, whatever it is, you should have clearly defined metrics of what you're trying to accomplish at the end of the day that you can go back and measure against that and say, okay, was this actually worth our money? If so, then you double down and you keep doing it over and over again. If not, if you didn't make more off of it than what you spent, then you need to reevaluate what you're doing from a marketing perspective. That is a, such a great idea because golf tournaments are such a common thing that agency yep. owners and businesses will sponsor, but they're not getting anything out of it. I mean, I could be guilty of that so many times. That is such a great idea. And as a golfer, I mean, you're speaking to my heart right there. Right? <laughs> I, figured, for sure. so, I figured you would appreciate that. I did. No, I think it's so true. But it's like Stephen Cubs says, begin with the end in mind. I mean, ultimately, what are we trying to do? And if you're going to spend the money, more importantly, if you're going to spend the time to actually be out there or maybe even bring some of your staff with you, you might as well make it an experience. I mean, that's what people are out there for. And as much as I play golf, I didn't know that the golf ball will fly straight after yep, hitting it through a solo cup. So I'm actually, yep. <laughs> I'm thinking about something. I got to have a solo <laughs> cup. I'm going to try it after this. <laughs> so that's pretty awesome. So kind of to piggyback off of that. So I guess I'll ask this. It's almost like a two-part question. It's really the same. You've given some really great tactical advice. I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't just ask this specifically. What are really the top three things that you said, okay, look, if you're a new agency owner in the past year, or you're about to open your office, because we have a lot of people that are starting to open their business or soon to be opening their business. Number one, what are the top three things that you would say, hey, look, here's where I would start. One, two, three. And is that different than someone who says, yeah, I mean, maybe COVID, it's time for us to stop back up. People are coming back into my office. I want to start a referral program, whatever. So you're a 10-year agent, 20-year agent, doesn't really matter. So you're wanting to stop back up. You're listening to this and saying, okay, yeah, I need to look at some other things. What are the maybe the one, two, three things that I should look at to begin with if those are different from a new agent? You know, from a new agent perspective, obviously your resources are going to be lower, right? So you got to be way more strategic with that spend and what you do with it. You're also trying to, in that case, get your name out into a community because it isn't established yet. So you are wanting to give away more to facilitate that. In that case, I would just think along the lines of usable products. What are things that may not be expensive products, but you know, hey, if somebody has this, they're probably going to hang on to it and use it. Everybody, again, does pens, do pens, but give one away that people actually want or they're going to use. It could be very basic things that aren't, they're not sexy, right? It could be post-it notes or something along those lines that you can go into local businesses or your apartment complexes where you kind of have these centers of influence that might be able to drive traffic uh, your way and leave a couple of those basic things that you can give out to the masses that you know will be used, but then couple it with a nice item, like a nice gift item. It may be kind of your Yeti style tumblers or something <laughs> along those lines that as you do go into those centers of influence, you can leave that nicer gift with that key influencer. Again, something that's going to keep you front of mind so that when you step back in there again and keep showing your face, they remember you. 
I think for your larger, more established agents, a lot of the same principles still apply. I think for them, I think you see some agents that do a really good job of digging deep with their clients and getting as much as they can and others who spend a lot of time just constantly getting new leads. I know for us, one of the keys to our success with larger companies is we like to work with larger clients and we like to dig really deep into those clients where we don't have a single buyer. We may have 50, 75 different buyers within that organization because it's a lot easier to grow deeper with them than go out and get new accounts, as well as what we find is far more profitable typically when we're doing that as well. And so I think for established agents and maybe using those items as a way to, again, generate either referrals or gift your existing clients. I mean, we're always giving stuff away to draw new clients in and we kind of forget about those really good clients that we have that may actually still have a lot of growth potential. We have their auto and we have their home, but we're not writing any life for them. Well, well, why not? We need to really be nurturing those relationships and giving things to them, maybe kind of a nicer gift to them as they come in and see us to establish and build that relationship, deepen that, show our appreciation to them in hopes that, hey, we can go deeper. We can pick up that business policy that, that they have somewhere else or whatever it may be. So just thinking along a little bit nicer gifting and then referrals. You know, Scott, I mentioned him earlier. One of the things he did years ago is we kind of transitioned him away from just giving away gift cards for referrals. We did like a Yeti style tumbler years ago. And he said, you know, what? I want to have my information on it, but I also want to start. And I think, he, again, this was a case I think of Scott learning from another agent. I think he actually got the idea from someone else. I want to start a referral club. So on that Tumblr, we also had printed big bold letters, you know, referral club. And so he'd give them that inside. It may still have a $5 Starbucks card or something. And there was a little printout or write-up about what it means to be a part of the referral club and their appreciation for their existing clients and things of that nature, which I thought was brilliant. This small little extra touch, but really kind of building a community within their existing client base. So I think that's maybe an area that established agents may be neglecting that they could utilize these products to go deeper with existing clients and realizing they are still prospects unless you have all of their insurance. They're actually still a prospect for you because there's additional business to be picked up. Yeah, I think that's so good. You're probably familiar with Net Promoter Score. Yeah. It's not very prevalent in the insurance agency space. It's not talked about very much or really if at all. But I think whenever I was hearing you talk, it's going that just one or two extra steps. It's taking, in some cases, five or 10 more minutes to think through, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, I could get some pens. I could get some coffee mugs. I can have referrals. I can do gift card. But if I just think through it a little bit more, I can create a little bit more of an experience. I can create a template of a card that says, now we call it the referral club. And then we can make it just say, hey, Josh, thank you so much for being a part of the referral club. And that extra step helps not only for people to give you maybe a five-star review on Google, and certainly that is important, but at the end of the day, for those of you that don't know, look at the net promoter score because it's really just one question. And it is how likely are you to refer a friend or colleague to us on a scale of one to 10? And so there's a way that that's calculated. That's for another podcast at another time. But at the end of the day, somebody may have a great experience with you, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be willing to recommend their friends or colleagues to be able to go and do business with you. And if you just think about it at the end of how can I go that little extra mile, it's not about driving across town to to get a form signed. I mean, that was 10 years ago. It's not about that anymore, but it's being a little bit more intentional with the things that you're doing with your marketing efforts. I think that's really fantastic. Josh, before we we get into- We say we are in the business of, in, in our world, what we are always talking about is because we're helping other clients market, right? Their businesses. We say that we're in the business of helping our clients cultivate brand champions. And that's what you need to be thinking about. And I think that's what the top brands do really well is they are constantly trying to cultivate brand champions. And I think that's where a small business, not just in the insurance arena, small businesses as a whole, I think kind of fail to think about things in that way. But you want your clients to be brand champions for your agency. Boy, love that. Because then that ties right into one of the first early questions, which was, are you just giving away cheap pens or cheap stuff? And is that what you want your brand of your business 
to be perceived as? And the answer is nobody wants that. Nobody wants right. to be perceived that way. I mean, everybody listen to this. It doesn't matter what company you represent or what business you're in. You do not want to be perceived as cheap. You don't. <laughs> and so therefore, stop giving away these cheap pens, period. Right. Yep. I mean, just, yep. exactly. so I think exactly. I love it. All right. Before we get into E9 Rapid Fire, Josh, people want to find out more about you, how you can support their business to be a brand champion. Where do you want to point them to? What's the best place for them to be able to get in touch with you and your team? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So our company is Relevant Marketing Solutions. You can find us at relevantadvantage.com. And then if you are a State Farm agent, you can also find us at sfagentpromos.com as well. And we're super excited that Josh and the team at Relevant SF Agent Promos are now one of our newest partners with the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. So we're grateful to have you as one of our partners and uh, look forward to sending more people your way. So make sure you go to SF Agent Promos and RelevantAdvantage.com to take a look at all the services that you guys have. Y'all do an awesome job. So we're excited to have you as a partner. We're excited to be a part. Last book you read? Last book I've read. I actually almost threw with it a book called Buy Then Build. So we're in kind of expansion mode looking at a, a potential acquisitions. And this book is about acquisition entrepreneurship. So Buy Then Build is the book that I'm almost done with. I'm familiar with that book, actually. Nice. All right. The book that you would recommend the most to other business owners? Yeah, I think I would probably go back to the one I mentioned before, Michael Hyatt's book, Living Forward. I think it's applicable to no matter who you are, no matter what business you're in or what stage of business you're in, quite frankly. I think it is just a wealth of information to help you really focus on the things that matter most. Favorite travel destination? Oh, man, I would have to say anywhere out west, probably. My family and I were getting ready to head to Washington State on Friday to visit Mount Rainier and Olympic National Park. So we're pretty excited about that. What is your favorite tech tool or app that you use every day that's not native to your iPhone? I actually use Trello quite a bit for organizations. It's not anything super fancy. It's basic, but I use it to keep my life somewhat orderly. Over under on the number of Atlanta Falcons football wins this season. Nine. <laughs> I'm going to have to Nine go under. wins, over, think, under. I think I'm going to go under. <laughs> <laughs> you got rid of Julio Jones, and so, yeah, it's a rebuilding time. Yeah. Rebuilding time. You started your business roughly 10 years ago, a little bit more than that, yeah. and initially your entrepreneurial career. Fiddle in the blank, you had 10 years ago, you had no idea this would be so hard. <laughs> knowing when to hire more people. I think that's one of the hardest things to evaluate in a business. As you grow, what is the right time to pull the trigger to to bring on new people? You're on a 10-hour flight, dead or alive, who would you love to sit next to and why? I'm gonna go, what may be really obscure for some people, I'm gonna go with someone people may not know, named John Knox. My son is actually named after him, my oldest son Knox. He was a Scottish minister during the reign of Bloody Mary and the Protestant Reformation. So he was integral in the chain, the transformation of the church. And as a result, really the transformation of Scotland as a whole from an educational, economic perspective, it all kind of started with this guy. So I would, yeah, pretty obscure for a lot of people probably, but that would, I'm gonna have to go with him. I love it. I learn stuff new every day. That's great. You get a lot of Warren Buffetts and Elon Musk right. and people like that, yeah. which is fun. You know, went, so I, went I love a different it. direction. I love it. That's great. All right. So when you're not working, obviously not spend time with your family. What's one of your favorite hobbies? Uh, like you, I love golf. I mean, my sons have gotten into it, which is great. So now it's uh, both hobby and time with the kids. So boys and I are often out on the golf course together. That's awesome. All right. Last question. It is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. After all, what is the best piece of leadership advice you've ever received? To be a service-minded leader. Again, I, mean, I think that certainly comes from my days of working with Chick-fil-A and their team. And I've been able to witness how they are able to replicate over and over and over again great leaders. And it's always centered around serving, serving first and serving your team and encouraging them to do the same with your clients. Well, Josh, you've served us today 
just with giving of your time and being so open. I mean, I've learned so much. I've enjoyed the conversation with you. I can't believe we've already gone through almost an hour or so. I think we could talk for a long time. We could have a Joe Rogan style podcast here talking about business (laughs) and entrepreneurship. But Josh, thanks so much for coming on. Again, go to relevantadvantage.com or SF Agent Promos if you're a State Farm agent. Reach out to Josh and the team and see how they can help you and grow your brand to become a brand champion. Josh, thanks again. Hope to have you back on in the future. Sounds great. Thanks so much. Yeah, I really love that conversation with Josh. I do think that we could have ended up talking about business just in general for several hours. And whenever he was telling his story, and I mentioned this on the episode itself, but you know, it just brought me back to so many times in my business career where you know I've made different pivots of things. And so you can really relate to his story and his journey and the constant learning that he has. I mean, he has learned from so many different people and applied that to his business, whether it's an insurance agent and he's applied that to the promotional product space and the marketing space, or whether he's worked and learned from the big boys, Chick-fil-A, the Atlanta Hawks, et cetera. And what are the basic principles that he can apply to his own business? And it's just a pleasure to work with Josh and get to know him over the last several weeks. Just quality individual. A couple of things I picked up, obviously, the importance of constant learning. Number two, the importance of looking at and defining what does success look like for you? really having that aim or that purpose that you have in your life and being able to see your business as a catalyst to be able to get there. And then obviously picking up on some of the very tactical things that he mentioned about the golf tournament. I mean, goodness, how many of you are going to be doing the Red Solo Cup Challenge at the next golf tournament or Blue Solo Cup Challenge at the next golf tournament that you put on? So I think that was great. But there's an intentionality with the story that he was saying. No matter what it is, create an experience, whether it's at a golf tournament or if you're at some event with real estate agents or whatever it may be, really being thoughtful in how can you differentiate yourself and cut through the people's noise. He mentioned on there whenever he's telling that story, get people to slow down. That's really hard, right? That's really hard. I mean, they walk up and they know you're a sponsor, a marketing person, but getting them to engage with you and have that connection versus just shaking hands and tell them about your business, I think was so important. It's such a good story there. So love learning some of the things about that he's picked up from working for a company like Chick-fil-A how intentional they are with every single thing that they do. And then obviously the easy takeaway too, hey, don't give away cheap stuff. It makes sense to try to justify ordering a bunch of pens or whatever it may be, getting really cheap things, but people throw that away. It doesn't have a connection. And I didn't mention this on the episode itself, but a friend of mine years ago is a financial advisor. I'll give him a shout out. His name's Thomas O'Connor with Kill Point here in North Alabama. He gave me a great pen. I was meeting with him. Again, this is probably three, four years ago. Just to tell you the power of what he was talking about on the episode itself. He gave me a great pen. It's a Pentel Gel pen. It's the pen I still use to this day. And it had his logo on it. And I used that pen. It was blue, high quality pen. I used it for until it ran out of ink. I loved it so much. I ended up going to Staples and finding this exact pen. And so I have it in blue and black and red. I typically write in blue. And then when I'm reading books, I will highlight those books in red. And it was because of that, that number one, I use that pen still to this day. And I'm actually working with Josh's company to get pens in this exact pen with my business's logos on it. And then now here it is, I'm telling you the story years later, right? I mean, that's just the power of that. And we were signing some documents. He gave me that. And now here I am years later telling about it to you on a podcast. Well, if that was just one of those, I don't know, easy, cheap, quick, big pens or whatever they are, I wouldn't be telling you the story at all, right? So I think that's the power and illustration of what we were talking about. So make sure that you reach out to go to SF Agent Promos, reach out to Josh and his team, or if you're just a small business owner, not a State Farm agent, go to relevantadvantage.com. And hey, when you go to sfagentpromos.com, make sure you enter Club Capital at checkout for a special discount. That's Club Capital, lowercase, no spaces for a special discount. Loved having him on. We appreciate his partnership. Glad to have him on the podcast. Look forward to having him on in the future. If you are an insurance agent, a small business owner, and want to also grow your business, 
from a marketing perspective and you know you need to do it in the online space, you know you need to have a really great, strong presence in the SEO, but SEO can be difficult to understand all of the different directors you need to be a part of and which ones are, do you have the right profile on them? Is it being updated frequently enough, et cetera? And then sometimes you work with a company, you just don't know whether or not what you're getting for the money that you're spending on a monthly basis. That's not the experience you're going to have at DirectClicks. Make sure you go to directclicksinc.com, reach out to the team there, just high quality individuals, get to know you, your business, your needs, and what it is you're trying to accomplish in your small business. Reach out to them. They can also help you with your Google ads, pay-per-click ads, directclicksinc.com. And finally, this podcast brought to you by Club Capital. Make sure you go to club.capital, book your no obligation demo. On the episode with Josh, we were talking about Chick-fil-A and what things you can learn from these bigger companies that he's worked with. One of the things that they do and they're really good at, they're really good at having their financials and making decisions based on those financials. The better that they have those analytics and those numbers, the better decisions Chick-fil-A can make, the Atlanta Hawks can make. And obviously, Chick-fil-A has grown leaps and bounds and their financial, the ability to have really strong financials, have really good balance sheet, really good income statement has helped them to be able to know where they're making money. Well, you may not be able to think that you can have those type of analytics and financial statements, but you can with Club Capital. Make sure that you go to club.capital, book your no obligation demo and take what is really kind of sometimes an afterthought for many small business owners, something that you do once a year just to be able to get your taxes to your account. It can actually be the strategic generator to power your business forward. All right, everybody. Great episode with Josh. Until next week, lead well.